0: I was. So it was angry. late. I just, I was so angry. it was Wait. on. So, what I have to ask is, did you like it or not? Which one? Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. No. Okay, yeah. good. We can talk freely. <laughs> <laughs> Righto.
1: Got somebody on my side.
2: That's right. <laughs>
0: I let see. No, I was, when that movie came out in uh-huh. 1976, I was six years old. Okay. And mom and dad scrimped and, and saved and we got tickets to go see it and they surprised us all and we didn't get to make the premiere but this was back when kids could ride in the bed of a truck under a can yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nobody right, cared nobody, you, you, you know airbags schmear bags mm-hmm. right and when they took us they said well we have a surprise because we bought our halloween costumes okay and i was going as a flaming skeleton i remember this clearly <laughs> and they said we're gonna go see Star Wars, and I lost my mind. <laughs> Rightfully so. And because this is way before VCRs were ever marketed. Uh-huh. In fact, we had Betamax like two years later. Yeah. Huge cassettes, right? <laughs> anyway, so I am I'm buzzed. I am I'm I'm just, I'm just couldn't stand still. And we get into the movie theater, and so you know where the lights go down. Mm-hmm. And then, It's Star Wars and the Crawl starts. I stood up and just went wow I just went bonkers (laughs) and my mom and dad laughed at me all night. That's hilarious. And I don't think I blinked the entire movie. (laughs) Yeah oh, right?
2: Yeah. That's amazing. Welcome, everyone, to another, the 40th episode of the My College Story podcast. I am Miranda Davis.
1: And I'm Brian Motto.
2: And today we are starting a brand new kind of series that we're doing. Tell us about it, Brian.
1: Well, we've done a whole bunch of topics mm-hmm. in college admission. And although those are fun and informative, we thought we needed to take it in a different direction, right? Mm-hmm. Is that... Is that
2: innovating, pivoting. There
1: you go. So what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about some careers. Mm -hmm. And since I started on the high school side of college advising was 2002 and CSI was around the original CSI. That's right. Started in 2000. I did my research 2000 first aired October 6, 2000. And so that created this whole um, movement of oh, I've got to be, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be a CSI investigator. But
2: you have and so, to have the sunglasses. Well, right?
1: obviously, yeah. Naturally. Right? And the um, catchphrases. That's yes. right. And, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the you know, of all of the careers, I think that's the one that is most romanticized, that people mm-hmm. are really, truly have no idea what goes on in the background or just in real life. And so I called or I emailed Sergeant Jeffrey Ratcliffe of the Tyler Police Department and asked if he would be willing to come on the podcast and tell us what a real crime scene investigator does. And he said, yes. And so today we have Sergeant Jeffrey Ratcliffe from the Tyler PD. Thank you for being here, Sergeant. It
0: is great to be here. Thank you for your invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for
2: answering the email. That's right. (laughs) Kind of a cold email. You never know what's going to happen. I mean,
0: talk about, let's see,
1: I Googled Tyler Police Department and then CSI and your face popped up. And so there you go. It I'm just famous. luck. I <laughs> did you not are. know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but so that's what we're going to do. We're going to start looking at some careers to see really what goes on behind, behind the scenes. So shall we take it away? All right. So, all right. So we've introduced Sergeant Ratcliffe. So tell us about yourself. And I loved before we came into the studio, you were telling me a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are today. So, tell everybody I mean it was a great story I loved it so so tell us a little bit about yourself your background and how you ended up becoming a crime scene investigator
0: my name is Jeffrey Ratcliffe and I uh, in three months I start my 31st year with the Tyler Police Department Wow awesome I started when I was 20 years old because I had a goal and I had the drive and desire to do what I do today yeah. I've wanted to be a cop since I was six. And I attribute that to a lot of Batman and Superman comic books, (laughs) but also my uncle, his name's Russell Busby. uh, He became a sheriff's deputy up in Oklahoma, and that's where my family's from. And so when I was six, he was telling me these stories of how he would go out and arrest people who hurt somebody else or recover stolen property. And he was doing this service for the community. And, of course, my eyes lit up, and I I love those stories. And then two years later... He became a detective investigator. And so if you've never lived in Oklahoma, they don't have a lot of money. And so he worked for a uh, sheriff's office that was actually covering two separate counties, and they, they split resources. But he started telling me about the science, the methods, the procedures of how he was trained to do a crime scene investigation. And then he starts telling me, well, we actually use mathematics and we can tell point of origin a three-dimensional coordinate system looking at blood stains. We can look at traffic crashes and look at points of impact, angles of impact, estimate speeds. I am a huge, huge science nerd. you know I grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars. We've talked about that earlier. Uh, but my favorite character has always been Mr. Spock. you know the the, the logical guy, the guy mm-hmm. that's thinking, The person who's always got his mind in motion, looking for possibilities, Mm -hmm. generating opportunities based on what he sees and perceives. And that's always fascinated Mm -hmm. me. And so by the time I was eight, I knew exactly who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do for the rest of my life.
2: Wow.
0: So from that point on, moving all the way through high school, uh, I went one year to a community college up in Oklahoma and it was fantastic. And it was a criminal justice degree program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I decided that mom and dad shouldn't have to pay for my education, so I joined the Army National Guard and used the GI Bill. I went to school in Mount Pleasant where I attended their uh, academic police academy, took the, uh, the state license test to get a commission as a peace officer And Tyler Police Department hired me when I was 20 years old. Wow, that's great. So at that point, knowing what I wanted to do, uh, I started educating myself, taking college courses, buying my own textbooks. Uh, We have a program that still exists today. It's part of our legacy training where we can take a patrol officer and we can train them in certain crime scene skills, Uh, videography, sketching, photography, evidence collection. And these people actually are on call with us and they, they will help us out on larger scenes and they can work things up to like uh, large residential burglaries, assaults and things like that. I did that job. Now, the, the thing about it is where I work, these positions are very competitive mm-hmm. and even with what I wanted to do and I made no secret about it, I want this job back here. I had to apply three times to get in and It's one of those things where if you suffer a setback like that, you turn that into an opportunity and you use that to fuel your drive, to push you forward and to achieve. And once you can train yourself to do that, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Nothing is off limits for you at that point. So imagine how surprised and excited I was when I got my first full-time position as a crime scene investigator after nine years. Uh, It's it's the greatest job in the Mm -hmm. world. So at that point, I, I served for nine years, or it, after nine years, I got the position. After about three and a half, I promoted to sergeant. And then I had to go back to patrol. Then they put me back into the crime scene unit as the supervisor. And that's where I am today. Awesome. I So I'm writing down. I'm sorry. I'm The
1: thing that, I think one of the things that mm-hmm. our students don't always get is that, you know it's it's this i'm going to graduate college and immediately go into exactly what i want to do and you know i think a lot of times we skip the you've got to pay got to pay your dues a little bit you've oh, got to have some experience correct. and so that's what i wrote down i said you know it took you 9 years to really ultimately get to where you wanted to be. And I, I think that's a great lesson for everybody is, again, that you just, you don't, you know, you don't graduate and just become a doctor or you don't graduate and just become exactly uh, where where you want to be. You, you do have to take some time, gain some experience. And, and eventually with, like you said, with, with keeping that focus and drive, you can get there.
2: Yeah. I like what you said. It's definitely going on the quote board. We have a quote board, by the way. Um, but like that you use those, I think you said failures as fuel to get where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't get in those few times. And you didn't take that to like knock you back, be like, Well, I'm never gonna get it. I'm never gonna be able to do that. You use that to fuel what you wanted to do and get where you wanted to be.
0: It it's far too easy. Yeah. For something like that, a setback. It's far too easy to quit. So if your passion lies in that direction, if what your heart tells you, it's you know, it's it's one of those things that you want to do deeply and passionately. You can't let these things push you back or demoralize you to the point where you just quit. Yeah. There, There's too much of that going on in the world, in my opinion, where people get upset. They lose their focus. And the next thing you know, they're in a job that they hate, you know, where it's been described as that soul-crushing 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all they do is they, they they push boxes or they sit behind a desk and they know they hate being there. But it's one of those things where I I firmly believe that if you use these things to fuel you, to drive you forward, to, okay, this is why I didn't make it this time. I'm going to find out why, and I'm going to crush those problems, and I'm going to just keep putting polish on this apple. And one day somebody's going to take a bite and say, this is the guy we want, and this is why.
1: Love it. That's that's great.
2: I've said this so many times recently, but if you ever want to quit what you're doing and be a motivational speaker for high school students, you got a job.
0: Nobody wants me to motivate. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very Spartan outlook. I I I have taken the time. I have an amazing wife, and she is an amazing example to me. And it's one of those things where you know I have I have responsibilities. I have a wife. I have two amazing boys, and if I start letting things like this affect me, my work product, my outlook, then how's that going to affect my family? You know, how's it mm-hmm. going to re- affect my relationship with the Almighty? And I, I'm a firm believer you cannot be in law enforcement or do this type of work without the mental, the physical, and the spiritual aspects all in line. That's awesome. And so my boys drive me forward. I'll never be as cool as those two. <laughs> uh, my wife, she's amazing. She's the most beautiful, wonderful. I have no idea why she married me. It wasn't looks (laughs) or money. Trust me. This is a podcast. You folks can't see me. I am very ugly. But it's one of those things where once you set your your priorities, Mm -hmm. you know, and you draw from examples. My father is an amazing man. Uh, I didn't find this out till a couple of years ago, but okay. So for the audience, this is going to be like right after the earth cooled for you. But in like 1980. Uh, my my dad worked the pipeline his whole life, and he came upon a truck that had flipped over and it was actively on fire. And my father dove into the flames and dragged this young man out oh and saved gosh. his life. I've always wanted to be like my dad. My dad's amazing, wow, and crazy. my mom's amazing. So I have been blessed beyond all measure with the support system that I have, the place that I work, the people I work with. Mm-hmm. You know, and you use that as fuel. Absolutely. You know, I have all these privileges. I have all these breaks. I am not going to quit. And I'm always going to do my best.
2: Wow.
1: Yep. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I know. I awesome. love it's. That's a great story. And, and I love hearing about the 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 examples you've gotten to follow. And it sounds like obviously you are now setting that for your, your own kids, which is great. So thank you.
0: Those kids are amazing. Thank you.
1: Um, all right. So. You're obviously very passionate about your job. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. You, you do not sit behind that 9 to 5 death job, right? So, let's tell us about the nitty-gritty of crime scene investigation. So, again, we watch CSI, we watch mm-hmm. CSI Las Vegas and CSI New York and all these things. And and again, it's it's very romanticized, right? They go out, they 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 put the puzzles together and then they go and then they they also go uh, catch the bad guys. So, tell us what's wrong with <laughs> the shows, what are they missing about what you do?
0: We've only got, what, 20 minutes to talk about this stuff? I could go all day long. I'm sure. So really, there's there's three things. Uh, number one, I don't have a million dollar per crime scene budget, <laughs> right?
2: What do you mean?
0: Oh, come on, <laughs> right? Um, I don't drive a Humvee to my what? crime scenes. Right. And I'm the closest thing to a supermodel that you're going to find in my office, <laughs> And you, you tell that to the jury, they get real disappointed. Sorry, that's just reality. <laughs> so be, beyond the humor, the one thing that they truly fail to do is, or for example, they have, there might be 2% good science, right? And they're going to use some of the correct jargon because they have paid advisors who may work in the crime scene field or in police work. Well, we're going to run a 1076 on this and use the plasmascopic ferangulator to look for DNA and RNA strands. It does not, cannot work that way, (laughs) right? So what they get right, a lot of it's the jargon, Mm -hmm. but everything is romanticized and it's dramatized to keep the audience's attention. If they made a true television show about what I do, (laughs) it would be so boring, nobody would want to watch (laughs) One of the things is it's a known factor now. It's called the crime scene effect, the CSI effect, where our jury members are being affected by this. They expect to be presented with DNA. They want a fancy formula written on a whiteboard so they can see it. Oh, yeah, this, there's no other way this guy could have killed him from three states away. So what they're doing is they're warping, they're distorting for the sake of entertainment the actual true science, the true techniques, the procedures that we go through, very rarely do we solve a crime in 45 minutes if you don't count the commercials. <laughs> but unfortunately, we all know people who were glued to the TV sets, mm-hmm. and they watch all these procedurals, you know, CSI New York, CSI Miami, CSI truck Stop, CSI toilet lid, and it seems like they just, every time you turn around, there's a new procedural, mm-hmm. and To be honest, in my opinion, all we're doing really is educating criminals. Mm -hmm. And people watch this stuff and they, oh, well, if I just do this, this, and this, perhaps I can get away with whatever it is I'm trying. So on its face, the most obvious example is they distort facts and they make it harder for us to do our jobs and harder for us to get the jury to understand what an actual crime scene investigation is like. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other part. There are more than just the two-dimensional things that you see on a TV show where they may have special effects. They're going to have human remains on the floor. They may have blood spatter. And it may look technically correct because of those advisors. What they do not approach, they do not talk about, is that there can be and often is a very real human cost when you were constantly exposed to an environment like this. Mm -hmm. Let me explain. We've all heard of PTSD, right? And thankfully, this is getting more and more attention on the national stage where Mm -hmm. our first responders, firefighters, uh, paramedics, EMTs, Mm -hmm. police officers, the people who were first there, you know, for example, the Pulse nightclub shooting, those officers, the paramedics, they showed up, uh, the, the shooting at Aurora, Colorado, where the gunman came in and started killing people. Mm -hmm. First responders get there. Stop the killing, stop the dying, help the wounded. Right? That's that's what we're trained to do. That's what our hearts drive us forward. Mm -hmm. There's an amazing speaker. His name is Colonel David Grossman, and he wrote several books uh, on killing and on combat, and it talks about the human cost Mm. of having to deal with stressful situations like this. And so our first responders, they're getting this treatment. They're looking at their mental health, physical well-being, and their spiritual life. You know, you've got to have all three, in my opinion. But what they don't address is the second responders, which I would fall into that category, Mm -hmm. where by the nature of your employment, what you're there, what you're paid to do, is you are in proximity to the fallen. You are there for hours on your feet uh, my personal best is 29 hours
3: Ooh. working
0: two homicides in two radically different scenes at the same time. Uh, that that was, that was an incredibly long week. And the way the math worked out, I worked two weeks in one. Mm. Right? And so when the crime scene people are there and they're forced to be in proximity to these things, and they're horrible, they're graphic, right? And so now you're there in person. And you're seeing it, but the one thing that gets tend to gloss over, with the sake of now trying not to be too graphic, are the odors associated. So now not only are you having to move human remains around, you're having to see all these graphic scenes. And then you also have that other input of the odors that might be prevalent, even the sounds. So there is now a concept known as vicarious trauma, where the first responders, they show up, they do their thing, they do it well. But then you have the crime scene people, they show up, and by the nature of their jobs, they're forced to stay even longer in proximity to all these things. And so by that exposure, now they are being traumatized by what it is they're dealing with. hmm and For example, there is a, uh, I read a scholarly paper that talked about this phenomenon, and there's a crime scene investigator who was there at the Pulse nightclub shooting, and while he's standing there among the fallen dealing with all of this, he's hearing their cell phones ring over and over, nonstop, while he's working this terrible scene. Mm-hmm. And so now, every time he hears a certain ring tune, that triggers a horrible Mm -hmm. episode of PTSD. So in my opinion, the the TV shows, these procedurals, it's all glitz, glamour. They truly do not approach or even address some of these things that I'm talking to you about. Mm -hmm. And so we train ourselves. I, I have an outlet. I have a safety net of people. Number one, the Almighty. Me and the Lord Jesus have a great relationship. Uh, number two is my wife. I have woken her up at three in the morning to tell her about my day because it's necessary. It's vital for me in my mental health, my spiritual health. You know, uh, people who are exposed to this, you know, the I think the the last time I heard the the average lifespan of a retired Chicago cop was two years after retirement. The stress takes a toll. Mm. So the audience is being cheated. Uh, I know it's for entertainment purposes, but they truly do not approach what crime scene work can do to a person. Mm-hmm. And another unfortunate byproduct, uh, have we, have you heard the term gallows humor? you know what that is?
3: Mm. Where we
0: make, somebody may make a joke out of something oh, horrible,
3: mm-hmm.
0: okay. right? That mm-hmm. if you didn't understand the context or why it's being said, that you would be incredibly offended. And so... My wife, uh, I I was a police officer before we got married. We've been married almost 28 years. I cannot believe she has hung around me this (laughs) time. But she she notices how I have changed over the years, you know, your outlook, how you approach certain things. Mm -hmm. And you cannot untrain yourself from Mm -hmm. being an observer or being a cop. You know, I'm always going to sit in a corner. I'm not going to have my back to a window. And it's just these things. And sometimes I'll make a joke at the house and the wife will look at me. She goes, just be careful. Don't say that in front of your boys. Or if you do, explain what's going on. So the, these are defense mechanisms. And this is what uh, a lot of officers do because we try to make light of the horrible so that mm-hmm. we don't suffer again from it, yeah, if that, that makes, makes sense. any sense. Sure. Absolutely. Sure.
1: So that human cost, mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like the biggest thing they get wrong. I mean, all that's encompassed with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, sir. Wow. I truly okay. do believe heavy. That's heavy.
0: So.
2: That's heavy. Yeah.
1: I mean.
0: Now, the flip side to all that gloom and doom, mm-hmm. I have a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I When you look forward to going to work almost as much as you look forward to going home, Mm-hmm. You're in a pretty good spot. It's true. Sure. Right. And th- that's where I am. And the biggest part of that, number one, I-, I have to brag about where I work. Uh, The Tyler Police Department, the chief, his name is Jimmy Toler. He- he's a 10-year, you know, look down the road. Where are we going to be in 10? How are we going to get there? And he- he's he got big ideas. And he's, he's a visionary. Mm-hmm. And so... We bought the property next to our police department up on Ferguson Street. It used to be uh, an AT&T service center where they would do, like, PMs and stuff on their trucks. It's a huge facility, covered parking. It's got a separate air-conditioned garage. I cannot tell you what a luxury that is. (laughs) That's the most important building on that facility, and that's Uh what I tell everybody. Um, He says, that's yours. Make this the best crime scene unit in East Texas. And I said, okay, <laughs> can <laughs> do, <laughs> will do, uh-huh. you know, so we're in the process of remodeling. The building was built in 1960, mm-hmm. so it's got 1960 problems, mm-hmm. but we're about 70% done. We're waiting to get the roof replaced. So Chief Toller, he's the visionary,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? but you got to have people who put that vision, make it reality. So there's an assistant chief, his name's Rusty Jacks, and he he's one of those annoying people. Where, you know, some dude from NASA calls up, hey, Rusty, we need you to fix the space shuttle. Could you work on that today? Yeah, park it behind the house. I'll get to it when I'm done. <laughs> and he probably would fix it and improve it and make it better. He's one of these people that can do anything, right? Uh, it, slightly jealous of him. I mean, he, he's just he's just amazing. So he started looking at this building, and we've made some improvements all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. My, my team, my crime scene people, I've got three full-timers. Uh, I have uh, a fellow named Jamie Tarrant. He's amazing. He's got one of these mines like a steel trap. And it's constantly in motion. Uh, Number two is a a fellow named John Stone. He was an engineer in the Coast Guard. Then he joined the uh, Air National Guard. So he's worked with explosives. And he also flew Predator drones. Right? And then, uh, I, I love to call her this. She's my Amazon. Her name's Becca Hudson. And... We have what's called the uh, public safety officers. They're not sworn officers, Mm -hmm. but you'll see them in uniform. They have the blue shirts, Mm -hmm. and they'll direct traffic and and take uh, some minor offense reports. But she was actually working crime scene stuff while she was a PSO. And so she's already got a foundation in this kind of work, and she loves doing fingerprints. So I I couldn't handpick three people better for what I want in a crime scene Mm -hmm. investigator. So when we bought the facility, we did all the deconstruction, took out all the old carpet, all the old tiles. We took out all the old furniture. We invested ourselves into the future of that facility. And it's simply amazing the way things come together. I am so blessed. It's unreal. That's awesome. It it is awesome.
1: That's fun. So we can come tour it when it's done, right? Absolutely. There you go.
2: On the absolutely make it happen
1: that'd be fun so okay you've told us about your great team great facility so for our high school students out there who who think they want to do this what level of education what things would you tell them right now that they need to be thinking about um or pursuing in terms of
0: education and experience number one they have to be technically minded
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and when i say that i mean biology class they're going to learn the scientific method in high school biology take trigonometry because i never thought i would use trig in my life until i got the crime scene work.
2: i was gonna say you said some words earlier and i was like that's he's doing math in real life we talk about that all the time we're like who does algebra in real life who does pre-cal in real life you're doing it it's in real life bonkers, but that's how it yeah. worked out
0: <laughs> you know so it the hard sciences, biology, chemistry, Mm -hmm. some mathematics, and get that base because it all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that... All departments are different. So let me explain how we do things. I've got three full-time investigators, and we'll go out and we'll work the street, or work the scenes, videography, sketching, and photography. Uh, We pride ourselves on doing the basics incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to do crime scene sketching, believe it or not, by playing Dungeons and Dragons.
2: Right. Because oh. you would
0: have to make dungeon maps. And so you go into a house.
2: Know, Nathan loves it. it. Yeah, He's on board.
0: That's <laughs> 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 how I learned how to make a crime scene sketch, mm-hmm. you know. And then the photography and you, you get into this and, okay, now I'm going to max out my camera and I'm going to do all these settings.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we have to shoot video also. Uh, Then we may do stuff like uh, use a chemical called Blue Star. It's a chemical blood reagent. And we use that to look for latent blood. Latent blood. Latent is just a fancy word for hidden from normal view. Mm -hmm. So if I had a dark carpet out here and I thought there might be blood evidence there, I can black out the room and spray this chemical blood reagent and it glows a beautiful lightsaber blue. Hmm. It's the coolest thing ever. But on top of that... Um, We also use full-spectrum forensic digital cameras Mm. that they shoot in the infrared and the ultraviolet spectrums. So even before I introduce a chemical, I can scan something with this camera with the appropriate light source, and I might be able to see the blood before I even have to introduce a foreign chemical to this crime scene.
1: I'm intrigued.
2: Right? Interesting. And that
0: is what drives me to go to work every day because we're often presented with problems that require creative solutions. You have to be a lateral thinker. You know, if, well, I'm just going to show up, I'm going to be a crime scene grocery bagger, and I'm just going to pick stuff up and forget about everything else. We don't want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. John, Jamie, and Becca, the, the key component, in my opinion, to being a good crime scene investigator, yes, you have to have passion. Yes, you have to have desire. And you have to have some ability, but if you can't harness that to discipline, it's worthless, Mm -hmm. right? So they have that in spades, but they also do those creative problem-solving exercises where something may come up, well, you know, if we do it this way, then perhaps we can get more data, more information in using this method. It's an amazing working environment. And... If you walked between us while we're talking about these problems, you'd probably burst in the flame because we're we're very passionate. We're very excited to be there. So, do you like Star Trek, dude by the computer? Nathan. Nathan? Nathan, Nathan do you like Star Trek? I know you're a Star Wars dude. Okay, do you like the original series? You're not helping me out here, dude. (laughs) Okay. Okay, thank you. That's what you had to say. Okay. Mr. Spock, in in one of the books I read, he he says, being excited, being passionate about science is great because that's where your motivation comes from. But being excited and passionate during science, that's where things start to go Mm -hmm. wrong. You lose your objectivity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a picture on my office wall by there's a uh, victorian the victorian era is where crime scene work really started victorian england victorian france mm-hmm. right and there was a he's one of the very first forensic scientists his name is edmund lockard and he came up with what's called lockard's exchange theory every contact leaves a trace right so i've just left skin cells on your desk right here <laughs> But one of the things that he said, and the quote that sticks with me the most is, if you're asked to do something, you have to remain a person of science. You have no one to convict. You have no one to save. All you're going to do is present data and information, period. And I'm paraphrasing. But that's what we do. You know, another other things that the TV shows skew is you'll have the guy takes off his glasses in a dramatic fashion. And then he'll look over his eyebrows into the camera, we're going to get this guy. <laughs> we don't do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We are as coldly objective as we possibly can. I'm, as, I'm just as happy with a conviction as I am an exoneration because if they truly did not commit this crime, they have no business being in jail. Mm-hmm. And so that's our outlook. We provide data and information, period. And that's how we look at it. So it's great to be enthusiastic about it, but not in it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's why I love going to work. I have three like-minded people that I get to enjoy my day with, and it's amazing to me.
1: Nice. I I love my job too. I'm, a, you're. I mean, I love how excited you are about it. It's great. It's great. I I'm looking at our yeah. our questions, and I feel like. We've gotten answers to all of them.
2: Yeah. I would, mean, I would. What I we would one question I would ask, a quick question is like, what types of majors do uh, would you suggest that they look at and look into if they wanna be a CSI?
0: Your hard sciences. Okay. It's gonna be biology, it's going to be uh, computer forensics, mm-hmm. is a growing mm-hmm. field now. So, biology, uh, computer forensics, some colleges will actually offer crime scene certifications. Mm and classes in forensics, so you can actually go and do that. The Another thing about the TV shows that we've talked about is now there's so many young people who want to get into this field. Mm-hmm. That the market is flooded. And so the more education you can get, right, uh, some colleges offer internships. Um, ours is two weeks, but it's really hard to show somebody how to be effective in two weeks, yeah. but we expose them as much as we can. Uh, I would suggest... Look for those degree plans that give you a lot of hands-on. Certainly start with Tyler Junior College. Uh, Jason Waller is the criminal justice chair. Mm -hmm. And he teaches a lot of crime scene hands-on classes over there. It's an amazing Amazing program that he's got started. That's great, awesome. That's okay. where I would start.
2: So you could either do a criminal justice major, or like do straight biology or chemistry or something in that mm-hmm. realm. So it doesn't have to be criminal justice,
0: right? There, there's a difference between crime scene work like mm-hmm. I do and the bench work that mm-hmm. I do. I might spend you know 10 hours at a scene, but do 20 hours at the at our lab doing mm-hmm. fingerprinting, photography, and things like that. Then you have the true laboratory scientists like at the DPS lab here in Tyler. Where they're gonna do chemical analysis, they're gonna measure weight drugs, determine what the what this sample mm-hmm. sample is. So there there's many different aspects to forensic science, whether it's doing the crime scene work all the way up to doing the laboratory analysis.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Because I think when when our kids think about it, they think criminal justice is the only way I can get in there. But there's so many different pathways to the CSI realm altogether.
0: Believe it or not, there's actually forensic accountants.
2: <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. People
0: who work uh with the FBI, they're actually FBI agents and they go through and they they look for mob money and they find stuff like
2: that. I could get into accounting for stuff like that. That'd be I fun. accounting my so my sister's an accountant. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time. And I'm just like you do you do that. I, that's not something in my realm of I can't gather my head around that. But she's not like I have more of a creative mind and she's like, I can't get my head around that. So, but the forensic accounting, I could get into that.
0: Believe it or not, the the creative people, uh-huh. in my opinion, make the best crime scene people. Well, Okay. I'm you missed your calling.
2: Apparently. There's still time, man. There's still time. Hard. And th-
0: what I have learned in my career is how to leverage
2: that. Uh-huh.
0: So, for example, we have a major incident. I may have my three people out there, plus me. And I might have five or six different police officers, you know, keeping the the crime scene tape Mm -hmm. up, doing security and all that. I make it a habit of asking everybody there, all right, can you think of anything else that we can do?
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Because, number one, not everybody gets the same information, right? Number two, we are all very, very different people. We see and perceive information differently on our experiences, our education, and even our hobbies, Right. So instead of looking at it as I have a group of nine very different people, I'm using those differences to make my crime scene investigations better Mm -hmm. because I'm counting on them to see things or perceive things differently that will give me an idea to get more data, more information from the scene at large.
2: Yes. Right? That's amazing. It's cool. Problems. So cool, yeah. You know? Okay, I mean... We have words of wisdom, but like that's all been words of wisdom. So I don't think you've already answered. You're that gonna make question. me blush.
3: You've no, already it's, answered that
2: question. It's been perfect. So, I, yeah.
1: I really hope everybody listens to it and takes all these right. all the
0: all the nuggets to. I know at
2: least two to that I'll be like, you need to listen to this one. Because So yeah, we've right? got a couple that are very into criminal justice. Like that's what they want to do.
0: If they truly want to get into this line of work, I suggest that they purchase a textbook mm-hmm. and start looking at. Okay, this is the procedure. This is the basic crime scene progression. Well, when do you go outside that progression? When do you have to do this? Or what is good videography? You know, how will I take these photographs? Mm-hmm. And start getting an idea of the technical aspects. Because as we've, we've discussed earlier, you know, there, there are other dimensions than what you see on a television. Mm-hmm. If you're at these, these large involved, even graphic scenes. You know, I've, I've climbed into dumpsters. I know that sounds Mm -hmm. gross, but it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool because not a lot of people do that looking for evidence. I've climbed into sewers. Kind of cool. (laughs) Uh, I've I've climbed into sewers. I've climbed under houses. Right. I've done. I've excavated human remains before. Mm. Right. And so, this is truly what I do, Mm -hmm. and this has been my passion since I was a kid. Yeah. Every day I suit up and I go to work, I'm living the dream of a six-year-old boy. How many people can say they work in a job like that?
2: Not very many. We know one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's you. Yes.
0: I'm telling you, once the facility gets up and running, we're going to have open house. <laughs> we're or coming. If would love it. That would be fun. If you have, we'll some, have some kids that want to come and look and see what we do, Absolutely. that would be fantastic. We're done. But don't come until we get it finished because oh, right no, now no. it's horrible. <laughs> There's sawdust everywhere. We want to
2: see the new shiny. Oh, it's going to be epic. That's awesome.
0: I'm going to steampunk out my office. Got some Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) stuff in the corner. It's going to look great. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it.
0: It was amazing to be here and meet y'all. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Sergeant, for your service to the country
1: and our community. And just being the example that you are to Mm -hmm. your family and to everybody else. Thank you.
2: Yes. Thank you.
1: A lot of fun to listen to it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we that's, that's we got to cut it because we, we could be here all yeah, day. We could. I can we talk all day. So many questions. But our, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, that is the end of our 40th episode. Kicking it off real good for our next 40. Yep. But uh, be sure to subscribe so you get our notifications every Thursday. I think we're moving to every other Thursday now. Probably. Um, so Sounds every good. other Thursday, you'll get notifications of our new episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ASES College. Thanks for listening to another episode of My College Story.
1: Bring, bring. We are moving to Yes,
2: we I haven't talked to you about that. Hey Nathan. Hey, what's up? We're moving to every other week after this week. Oh, so cool, okay. So uh the next episode can go not next Thursday, but the next. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had so Dungeons and Dragons, so he's a big D and D guy. He's been yeah. designing stuff all morning. I
2: have a D and D last week club now.
1: I have, yeah. Um He's we... awesome. That's I'm epic, I'm not it? as familiar, but I love listening to him and, and seeing what he's doing with it. So,
2: yeah. we all have like actual meetings yet? Do
1: you yeah. go to those? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, we, 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 this particular campaign, we started at level zero. Mm-hmm. Didn't choose a class, just our race
0: and background. So what edition are you playing? Fifth. I don't know if we can be friends. Oh, oh, it's <laughs> I'm the, a first, first edition it, purist. First edition? That's what I grew up on. Holy cow! Okay. I know, so, so you would
1: you would get along with our DM because uh, <laughs> that's when he started.